Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming, or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today I am ecstatic, and I mean that, to have a returning author with me. He is Mark Waters. Mark was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. His career started in banking, and then he furthered his career and his education. While in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he owned and operated an adolescent drug and alcohol treatment program serving the needs of drug and alcohol-dependent kids, and he served as a board member for a local community theater and a food bank network. He has been an active member of various civic organizations. But now writing is his new career, and he resides in Rockport with his wife, Beth, of nearly 40 years. And last we spoke, he shared his books, Suicide by Death and Three Days in Heaven. And today we are about to find out about his most recent published title, Port Somerville. So here we go. Welcome back to the network, Mark. Hey, it's great to be here, Pat. I feel like a, feel like a regular. I should be on the payroll. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> All righty. A town full of mystery and intrigue, corrupt politicians, an out-of-control police force, a wealthy family who controls everything, criminal merchants, drug trafficking, and violence. Other than that, a pretty nice place to visit. Well, it sounds like any town USA, but in this case, it is Port Somerville. Now, you spent years working on this book, and you say that it is somewhat prophetic. Why and how? You know, Beth and I have lived in Rockport for... 10 years, and I started writing this thing 10 years before we even moved here, and so many people have come up to me after reading the book, you know, some of my test readers and things like that, and said, it's about Rockport, isn't it? No, it's not about Rockport. I didn't know a thing about Rockport. You know, I just, you know, I just, I just poured some creative energy into what a small town might look like, and, you know, one of my reviewers said, you know, this, this truly could be any town USA, and, uh, you know, my my wife's folks are from Mason, Texas. Well, this could be you could you could you could replace Port Somerville with Mason, Texas, or Rockport, or even some of the smaller you know boroughs in New York. And they say, yeah, it's, that's my town. Well, it, it's, this is not about Rockport. It's just just about a small coastal town that I made up and just had some fun with. Well, if you're from a small town or been in a small town, there's a lot of similarity, so I can understand how that could uh, be confused. And people always want to think it's about some place that belongs to you or them, so I get that. Now, you write Chapter 1. This is fiction, but most of it is true. All the names have been changed except mine. I am John St. John, your storyteller. Furthermore, any likeness of a person, place, or thing is purely coincidental. And if you think it's you, it's not. I probably don't like you enough to waste ink. So. <laughs> I, I get tickled every time I read that. And that whole thing was quite intentional. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to set the tone for John's personality. You know, he's not a, he's a plain guy. And uh, he's not uh, particularly politically correct. You've got to remember, this thing starts out in the mid-60s when he meets uh, his, his, his wife, Darlene. And, so, and then it just sort of moves right along. And so, you know, I do some things that are, and I say some things that some people may 
kind of go, oh my! And, but it's not it's not so over the top that you know people say, okay, well that's the period, and you know, and and, and that's okay. I mean, his best friend. This is funny. I've, I've actually kind of got this memorized. After John had been married for quite a while, his wife said, why are you such a bigot or something like that? He said, I'm not a bigot. If I'm such a bigot, what about me and, and, and Dr. Stewart? And she said, that doesn't count. He's a doctor. And uh, he's a black guy and his best friend. And so, you know, I, I thought that was kind of funny. But I did want to, This the thing started out is just humor. And I'll never forget this, Pat. This was a few years back. And I don't know what my wife and I were talking about. If you knew my wife, you would, you would, you would, you, you could not imagine her saying this, but she said something like this: "My anger is intense, and my vengeance is exact." Now I don't know where that came from or why she even said it, but I thought, you know, that's a great line. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, it was that line. I added it to the book, but that one line changed the whole outcome of the book. And he got a second line. I'll just read the back cover, and it explains it. But anyway, um, poor Somerville's plot looks superficially like a small-town romance. There's something darker, deeper, that makes it feel more like a psychological thriller. As John St. John iconically tells his story and describes poor Somerville and all its glory. As one reads, a sense of a storm brewing in from the Gulf seems to pervade the reader's expectations as they continue reading this thought-provoking and well-written novel. So, like I said, that, that the the way that the thing develops, the way that the thing ends, it's almost kind of like, you know, the movie The Sixth Sense. You know, Beth and I went and saw that when it first came out several, several years ago. And when they started to run the credits, Beth and I looked at each other and like, what just happened? <laughs> and so that's what I'm leaving people with with this book and, and how it ends. You know, they're like, what happened? I love this. Tell us, before we get into some of your more humorous uh, antics that go on here, tell us just a little bit about the story. Just give a really brief synopsis. It starts in the mid-60s when John first meets Darlene. You know, he's you know, he just a, a hometown regular guy, and her family is filthy rich. And and how the two got together, it was, you know, I wrote a little ditty about it, um, you know, saying that, you know, it, was it fate that brought them together or something far more sinister, you know? And and so, you know, their their love, you know, just seemed to be unequaled, uh, even given their circumstances, you know, here he's broke, she's rich. Of course, his mom, her mom hates him. And, yeah, and so the thing just developed. And, you know, they have kids. They move to Port Somerville. You know, he starts a business and they make friends. And, you know, it just, it just goes on until, until what I'm guessing, in the 80s. And so, yeah, it's kind of a romance, thriller. Got it. Mystery. Yep. All rolled into one tidy little package but it's also it is funny it is funny you actually are very hilarious your description of port somerville and the winter texans actually read like a stand-up comedy script and i was laughing so much at your description that seriously tears were rolling down my face and i think i even emailed you just to say i am crying i just 
You did. Couldn't believe that you were so funny. So you talk about how Port Somerville has three leading economies, winter Texans, seasonal tourisms, and Walmart. Um, it was your description, I think, of the winter Texans and the tourists that had me rolling. And uh, then you talked about baby Jessica. There was just so many funny parts to it. Would you mind reading something of your choice from that uh, particular uh, chapter that's just so humorous? Oh, oh yeah, this, this is a fun one here. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, we only had one church, the First Baptist Church of Port Somerville. Most winter Texans came from places predominantly Lutheran and included a small mix of Roman Catholics. An enterprising preacher capitalized on this opportunity. While winter Texans were in town, Brother Bob had a Lutheran service before his regular Baptist one. He just made a quick change from his toga-looking outfit back into a coat and tie. He thought about a service for the Catholics, but not enough to go through the trouble to learn Latin. One Sunday, communion became a challenge for Brother Bob, because Lutherans used wine, Baptists drank grape juice, and on that day, he switched them by accident. The Lutherans were, excuse me, pissed off, and the Baptists wanted seconds. His dual service almost came to a tragic end during a baptism ceremony. Lutherans sprinkled droplets of water on infants called a christening, while Baptists immerse older children and adults in a pool. Joseph and Mary Robbins brought their newborn daughter, Jessica, to get baptized. Again, a confused preacher, not fully aware how a christening worked, submerged poor Jessica in a four-foot pond of water and almost drowned her. Someone in attendance knew CPR, and thank goodness baby Jessica survived. At nearly six years old, she's almost back to normal. And if she remembered where the bathroom is, she went potty all by herself. To the untrained eye, you could barely notice her limp. <laughs> I, thought, I, I caught some heat over that one, but yeah, I still thought it was funny. So bad, so bad. And then I love the one, the the older woman at the checkout. That was actually a funny one. Oh yeah, yeah was, oh yeah. Good, good day. Perhaps, perhaps she had yeah, a bad day, or maybe she was just a bitch. Is that what she said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, John is not very friendly a big fan of winter Texans. And so uh, Darlene insisted he, you know, called them something else than whatever he called them. And so he refers to them as saps, seasonal annual pest. And, um, but anyway, here he is. He ran into this uh, lady who happened to be a woman at a convenience. <laughs> well, there's an oxymoron. Ran into this um, winter Texan who happened to be a woman at a convenience store. She had just arrived in town and needed a small bag of necessities. Though I was buying a beer, and was the first in line I offered my place. Her response was curt. No, thank you. I'll wait my turn. Perhaps she had a bad day, or maybe she was just a bitch. I made another attempt at diplomacy and tried to make some idle chat. Nice day for a cold beer. I wouldn't know. I don't drink. I'm a Christian, she said with disdain. Now, let me tell you something. That line is true. Uh, I'll never forget. This was years ago, and uh, back when I... I I did. I, I bought a six-pack of beer or something like that. And, and I was, this lady was just making a small chat with me, and I said, well, where, where's your beer? She said, I don't drink. I'm a Christian. That just cracked me up. But anyway, but she did say it with a smile. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. So you took a little bit of true life and interjected it years later into your book. So what is your message? What's the takeaway for your readers? You know, I just, one of the things that I try to do with everything that I write, and I know it's trite, but I, I like to keep things moving. I like for, you know, the things that I write to be 
real page turners. I don't I don't like for things to stall out. <clears throat> and so, you know, that's one of the things that I really strive to do is keep the reader engaged and and and, and you know, hopefully especially, well, you know, Three Days in Heaven and, and Suicide by Death are certainly two message books. Right. Now, this isn't a message book. This is just a story. Mm-hmm. And But I, I think it engages the reader and you know, maybe takes them back to a maybe to a simpler time because a lot of the the surroundings in the book like i said in its you know early you know, mid 60s early 70s you know kind of takes them back and one of the things that i do when i when i move from chapter to chapter or, or wherever i don't i don't cite a year um I try to stay away from that circa you know 1974 or whatever and what i'll do is i'll just use you know, places and things in history. I mentioned, you know, the, this was the year my best friend graduated from high school. We reelected Nixon, and then shortly after, we outed him, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Blazing Saddles was the number one best, right. uh, was the number one movie. And so, you know, I, I try to take that triteness out by using circa 19-whatever with something in history. Mm-hmm. And like the Reagan tear down that wall. Uh, you know, I, I, I reference those kinds of things, but it was a fun book to write. And I, I tell you, the backstory about this thing is it almost didn't get published. I I vacillated on this thing for years because this was the first thing that I ever seriously wrote. And although the dialogue and everything was was great, you know, I wouldn't change the thing. But you know, I was an inexperienced writer then. Um, the book was a technical mess. And, you know, I spent tons of money just getting, you know, tenses corrected, um, you know, just a lot of, just a lot of technical things. And so I just, I really kind of threw my hands up one day and said, well, this is going, never going to see the light of day. And then one day, about a year ago, I said, no, it's too good. Let's just do it. You know, those are often the best ones because they're written just truly from the heart and written from who you are. And that's when you hand it over to an editor and say, hey, help me out with this. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I get but that. It got born. I'm, I'm proud of the work. You should be. Now, let's talk about briefly about your covers. That's where kind of some of the mystery is. And it's it's more of a tease than anything. And so it was a real last minute decision. And again, I think that it's intriguing enough that I, I hope that folks will, you know, read the back of the book, read the front of the book. And then, you know, as they get more into it, that cover will begin to make more sense to them. Right. right. All right. So what is next for you, my friend? <laughs> get back in our house. You know, we got, you know, we talked, uh, I forget what last time we talked, but, you know, we're down here in this uh it's the epicenter of Hurricane Harvey, and so many people are still displaced, and and our house is about ready to get moved back into. But it's taken a year, and of course, you know, the campaign kind of stalled it when I ran for Justice of the Peace, but not by much. But you know, the rain this past weekend hasn't helped; it slowed things down. But we're we're close to getting in, and uh, also I am uh, I am honored to have we're forming a a new chapter here for an organization uh, called SAVE.org, uh, which stands for Suicide Awareness Voices of America. And my charter was just approved. And so, you know, I'm real I'm real proud of that. And my work, you know, in suicide prevention and suicide awareness, you know, will continue, you know, 
working through this organization. And by the way, we're the first chapter in Texas for SAFE. Wow. See, how impressive. I mean, we're, we're making light and having fun with your book, Port Somerville, and some of the humor in there. But on the flip side, you're doing a lot of serious work, and the, the whole suicide prevention and awareness business is just so critical today, as you and I were speaking prior to going on air today. So it's save.org, correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. Excellent. Thank you for that work that you do. It's extremely important. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So share your contact information and places where folks can get a copy of your books and any other place where they can learn more about you. Well, they can always go to Amazon and just look up my author name, Mark Anthony Waters, and uh, I'm about the only one, uh, or any of the titles, Port Somerville, Suicide by Death, or um, Three Days in Heaven. And my, uh, my web address is www.markanthonywaters.com. And, uh, you know, feel free to email me with your questions or comments. I, I will, I always, I always respond. And uh, that contact information is mark at markanthonywaters.com. I, you know, I'm Mark Anthony Waters deal. My publisher made me do that. Uh, we came, we tried, we tried to come up with so many pseudonames and all that. And I thought, yeah, hey, just what about M.A. Waters? And they thought, nah, let's just use your whole name. Yep. Okay, you win. So anyway, <laughs> I never did like my middle name, but. Oh, no, I think it sounds very official, very important, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate Mark it. It's An- always such a great time talking with you. <laughs> I feel the same about you, MarkAnthonyWaters.com. Well, before we head out, any final thoughts, any final messages, anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, buy my book so I don't have to get a real job. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Pat. As always, it's it's been a pleasure. I've got I've got a couple more titles in the works, so I'm sure we'll be visiting again. Absolutely, I love talking with you. You are a super super person. MarkAnthonyWaters.com for his books, his most recent Port Somerville Save.org for the suicide awareness information. And yep, we'll do it again. Thank you so much, Mark. Hey, thank you, Pat. <laughs>